Amen. We are in the middle, uh, not the middle, we're in the beginning. Um, we're three weeks into a series um, on the Lord's Prayer called Praying God's Will. So every week we're just, we're, we're tackling a, a line or two or a word or two um, of the Lord's Prayer. And we're, we're calling this series Praying God's Will because that's what that prayer is all about. It's about praying selfless prayers that perfectly align with the will of God. God's, God's perfect will. That will includes um, that we come to the Lord knowing that He is good and knowing that He is holy. That prayer includes coming in humility and asking God to meet the need that we have for this day. That prayer includes honoring God, proclaiming that we want His name to be holy. So, last time I preached, uh, I preached on our Father. Today, I'm preaching on who is in heaven. I was really ambitious early in the week, and I thought, I'm going to cover who is in heaven and hallowed be, be your name. Um, that's not going to happen. I, I seriously doubt that's going to happen, and I, I think I'm going to have to cut out parts of who is in heaven. So, in, in doing this, um, let's. I think every time we do this, we're going to read the Lord's prayer together. Um, so let's, uh, let's pull up uh, Matthew 6, 9 through 13 together, and we're going to read um, this out loud together. That was, you kind of teased us there. All right. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So where we're at today is the first part of that. Verse 9. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Last week, I taught on what a blessing it is that when we pray, that we get to approach God and use the intimate and the tender phrase of our Father. We get to address Him in the most intimate of addresses. We even get to call him daddy. Paul encourages that. Jesus said you know, that we've been adopted into the family. In Jewish tradition, up until this point of instruction, every prayer began to God the exact same phrase. It was Baruch Ata Adonai Elohanu Melech HaOlam. And it means, blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe. And I made the comment last week that it's honoring and it's powerful, but it wasn't intimate. Last week, I told you that it is right that we pray to God as our Father. And this week, I am telling you that it is right that we pray to our God with honor and with awe. 
I'm not standing here contradicting myself. It's right that we do it both ways. Now, I, I love intimacy. I'm, I'm a relational dude. If you know me at all, you know that. I, I, I love my wife, and I'm affectionate with her. I love my kids, and I'm affectionate with them. And I love my friends and family, and I'm affectionate with them. I still greet my mom with a kiss, my dad with a kiss. You know, I love my friends. I don't greet with a kiss. But my, you know, but... So I'm, I'm affectionate, but guys, it is right that we have a sense of honor and awe when we talk to the Lord. Now, knowing that I'm an affectionate guy, I, I'm, not, I'm not rendering any sort of judgment, but if when we pray to the Lord in being vulnerable and intimate before Him and calling Him Daddy or Papa or whatever it is, it's so important that with that affection that we still have honor that we still have honor. You guys, it's so easy as Christians to kind of devolve into this place of entitlement. Of feeling like God owes us something. That God, that we've earned something. That we've been faithful for so long that we've gotten to a point where God owes us something. Friends, not only is that not true, that is not honoring. And Jesus gives us instruction for the perfect prayer. The perfect prayer. This isn't, it's called the Lord's Prayer. But the Lord didn't pray this prayer. He's telling us how to pray. And He gives us this incredible right and privilege to say our Father. But then He reminds us who is in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. You guys, the fact that our Father is in heaven, in a seat of ruling and reigning and power, should give us a sense of awe. Should give us a sense of awareness of who our God is. Reverence. God is indeed our Father, and we should take comfort in that. God is our Father. But He is God and He sits in heaven. And we should be aware of that as well. You guys, we should never thoughtlessly or carelessly rush into the presence of God. Which is an interesting thing because we have access to God at all times. But we should never do it thoughtlessly. We should never do it carelessly. What do I mean? Always remember who our God is and honor Him as such. Always. When praying, we should give thought to who God is. You guys, in everything we do, God cares about the condition of our heart. God cares about the condition of our heart. In our salvation, we believe in where? In our heart. We believe here. See, there's a lot of things I can confess. There's a lot of faces I can put on. There's a lot of things I can say with no heart. God sees the heart. So when we come to Him, it's important that our heart is in the right place. Our Father, who is in heaven. You guys, Jesus is not just telling us where the Father lives. 
He's not just giving us reference to where he hangs out. Yeah, my father, who lives on the east side of the river, you know, over in Poughkeepsie or Sheboygan or one of those words, you know, this sounds cool. That's where he lives, my dad. No. He's not telling us where the father lives. These two words of in heaven at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer are not just to see the Lord's place. They're not just given to see God's place. Jesus gives those two words so that we see our place. It's meant to humble us and to give us some objectivity in who we are. Not, it's not a shameful way. Let's, let me be abundantly clear. In, in humbling us, it's not shameful. Humility is good, guys. Humility is good. But it is meant to remind us, you are here. And our Father is in heaven. Does this make sense? You guys realize that according to Isaiah 6-3, that billions of angels are constantly praising God 24 hours a day, every day of the year, every second. His name is being glorified. He is being praised. He is being honored. The Father is being honored constantly right now in heaven. And it's with this in mind that Jesus is letting us know our fathers to be treated with honor. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. This is what the angels are saying constantly. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. We get to, we get, we're a part of that, guys. We're included in this prayer. We're part of His glory. We shine His glory. We exemplify His glory. We spread His glory. We get to be transmitters of His glory. We are His glory. Constantly praised. Yet, this same ruler of the universe wants you and me to talk to Him. This same God wants our attention, wants our affection. He likes our company. He loves hanging out with you. He listens to each one of us as if there were no one else. But all the while, he is hearing countless prayers. He is hearing countless praise all at the same time. And we're included in that. Just before... Jesus gives us instruction on how to pray the most perfect prayer. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. John 1, 1 tells us that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So I firmly believe this. Jesus, the Word, knows the Word. Jesus knows the Word. He knows Himself. He knows the Word. I believe that He, when He was here on earth, He had the Old Testament memorized. I believe that. He knew the Word. 
He could reference any part of the scripture at any point. The Bible tells us that Jesus only did what he heard the Father say, what he saw the Father doing. Jesus only walked out according to the word of God. So he knew the word. And I'm quite certain that Jesus, when he made this declaration of pray this way, our Father, who is in heaven, I'm certain he had this scripture in mind. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 2. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know what they that they are doing evil. Do not be rash with your mouth. Do not let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Just the admonition to guard your steps, to guard your heart, to give careful thought to your state of heart and to your thoughts. And I'm certain that Jesus knew of this when he said that as well. Psalm 15.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. You guys, too often we think that we can control God. He's God, friends. Honestly, why would we want to? He's God. We've we got to trust Him. we got to trust His ways. Church, the purpose of the phrase Father in Heaven is to keep us from taking ourselves too seriously and our Heavenly Father not seriously enough. That's what that phrase is for. To not take ourselves too seriously, but also not to take lightly who our Father is. Jesus is the first to ever pray to the Father, calling Him Father. And He is the first to teach us that we can do the same. We're supposed to have intimacy. But we need to keep in mind the bigness of our God. The bigness and the wonder and the mystery of our God. The minute I get up here and I declare I know everything about God, I, that's the minute I show that I'm a fool. Any one of us, we can't fully understand God. We can't. Young people, have you, because us older people have asked this question. Have you ever asked the question, well, Dad, where, where did God come from? Who made God? Get ready for your minds to be blown. He was never created. He always was. He always is. He had no beginning. He had no end. Figure that out, friends. Figure that out. Wrap your minds around that. Some people's heads just exploded. We honor God with all and we love Him with intimacy. You know what's cool about this? There's a really neat correlation in this beginning of that prayer to our lives, to our marriages, to our relationships. We are to treat one another 
with love and affection. And we are to treat one another with honor and respect. I don't want to just be loved. That doesn't work for me. It doesn't. It's how God built me. I'm a man. I want to be loved, but I want to be honored as well. Women, you don't just want to be loved. You want to be honored too. You're a woman. That's how God built you. You guys, he built us this way. Now, I firmly believe, and we see it in Ephesians 5, you know, about, about uh, you know, wives, submit to and honor your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. There's that, that identification. I, I believe that women need love just a little more than they need honor. And I believe men need honor just a little bit more than they need love. And that's just how God built us. And, and you guys, it'd be good to keep that in mind in, in, in tending to one another and in caring for one another. But we're all built to love and to be loved and to honor and to be honored. How cool is that? The God, that Jesus gave us this perfect way to pray and said, pray this way, our Father who is a who is in heaven, and he addresses these two things right from the get-go. In any relationship, if there's not honor, we can overstep this line of over-familiarity. Of, of being over-familiar. And that's a dangerous place to be with God. And that's a dangerous place to be with one another. Most of us, when we're married, in our courtship or in our marriage, there's some point when the thought crosses a man's mind, is it appropriate for me to pass gas in front of my soon-to-be bride or my bride? Friends, the minute that that thought goes from thought to action, it's over-familiarity. You guys, with our God, the minute that we lose focus of how deserving of honor He is, honor and respect that He deserves, you guys, that's over-familiarity. It is possible that we get to a place that we think we know God so well that we believe that we have a claim on God. That we believe we have a claim on God. And there is, and it's easy to be to a place where we have the audacity to think or sometimes say to God, God, you owe me. You owe me. I've been faithful. Lord, I've been faithful. I've been faithful for all these years. Lord, I've served you with everything for all these years. All three of them. All 33 of them. The minute that we get to the place that we think we've got a claim on God and that He owes us something, friends, we better check ourselves because in that place we are lacking honor and in that place we are over-familiar. 
We are taking him for granted. You guys, God is not indebted to us. In fact, he paid a debt we could never pay. Jesus Christ paid the debt we could never pay. But friends, we owed. Our sins owed the debt of death. And Jesus Christ paid for it. He owes us nothing, guys. You guys, we got to know that. And I'm constantly reminding myself of that. I am. I want to see this church wall to wall. I want to see it uncomfortably packed. I want to see us breaking out every chair we have. I want the doors open and chairs outside. You know, I want us to build out a mezzanine and have seating up top. I want it. I want it. But God doesn't owe that to us. This is His church. I want to see this church grow. But friends, growing this church is not on you and I. Ours is to plant. So we invite people. We invite people to church. We invite people to Jesus. We talk about Jesus. But we're not responsible for the growth. And we're not responsible for the salvation. We're just responsible to scatter seed frivolously. Hard grounds, you got it. Maybe some will come up. Soft grounds, you got it. Maybe some will come up. Thorny grounds, maybe it won't get choked out. We're just to throw seed, guys. We're just to be frivolous with our showing of love and our pointing to Jesus. But when it comes to growing this, God doesn't owe it to us. What are the things we think God owes us? Because if we're really honest, a lot of us think we have that. Lord, you owe me something. He owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. He's our reward and he's our prize. You know what's crazy? Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and probably Joseph too, but in, in Luke chapter 2, we just, we just see Mary. We, we just see her speaking. Mary did the same thing. Mary made some presumptions. There was an over-familiarity. Let's, let's read it together, and I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child, talking about Jesus as a child. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group they went. I'm going to pause there for a second. Friends, when we move on without Jesus, that's over-familiarity. When we don't have the sensitivity to know that the Lord's like, no, no, I'm still here. Don't move on. We're still here. In our worship, guys, that's why there's times our worship service goes longer. Because we want to be sensitive to the Lord and the presence of God is saying, no, I'm still here. I haven't moved on. I'm still here. Please wait for me. And so we show him honor and we wait for him. We do the same thing in our lives, guys. We shouldn't move on to that next thing because we're antsy, because we've grown bored or retired. If God ain't moving, we ain't moving. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. You know she wanted to whoop him. You know she's like, when I find Jesus, he's going to get a spanking. 
After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to his parents, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Mary asked him, Why have you treated us so? You put us in great distress. Why have you treated us so? You guys, I've asked that of the Lord before. Why are you treating me this way? Why are you treating me this way? Lord, don't you realize the great distress you're putting me in? You guys, with God, we can be vulnerable. But that doesn't mean we're right. You guys, we're entitled to feel a certain way, but that doesn't mean those feelings are right. You're entitled to your feelings. That doesn't mean they're right. We aren't dictated and driven by our feelings. But here's what's cool. We get to come to the Lord in relationship with every feeling, with every thought, with everything we have. And we get to walk out that journey with Him. He walks it out with us. But in that, guys, we still need to have honor. In that, guys, there still needs to be that sense of reverence. What happens in in this setting where we feel like God has treated us poorly? Usually a huge disappointment. Usually in that state, we're disappointed in God. It's easy to be there, guys. It's easy to be there. You know, I was talking with a buddy recently, and I said, if you would have asked me six and a half years ago when we planted this church, how big will Impact Rock be in six and a half years? My answer would be, yeah, two, three hundred. Getting ready to, to plant another Impact Rock somewhere. That, I, that's, that's what I would have expected. So am I, am I disappointed that we're not there? Yeah, a little bit. I am. I, that, I had, you know, those were my hopes. So yeah, if I'm just being honest with you, yeah, I'm a little bit disappointed. But what do I do with that disappointment? I give it to God. I don't hold it against God. We're not supposed to hold it against God. You guys, there's times that God truly does withhold His face, hide His face, or withhold His voice from us. It happens. It happens. And when that happens, a lot of times we feel betrayed. That's a natural response. In my experience, most of the time that that I can say the face of God has been withheld from me or God's been silent, it's because He's told me to do something and I moved on without Him and He's like, I'm here and you're there. We need to make sure that we are moving with the Lord. guys, it's a natural feeling to feel angry at God if we feel like He's betrayed us. That's why it's important that when we pray, we give thought and we give heart to who our God is. Our Father who is in heaven. He's loving better than any of our earthly fathers. Better than any earthly father that's ever walked this earth. 
So He's good and only good. He's affectionate, but He's in heaven. And we don't control Him. We yield to Him. We submit to Him. We submit to Him. Wives, submit to your husbands. You guys, this church is submitted to God. We gladly do what He wants. Why? Because we love Him and we trust Him. So of course we submit to Him. You guys, I have one last point on this theme of in heaven. And I just touched on it. Jesus calls out the fact that our Father is in heaven so that we might see the obvious contrast between our Father in heaven and our fathers here on earth. God the Father is in heaven. Our human fathers are on earth. So when we pray, we should remember that we're talking to our flawless Father. Our endlessly loving Father. We're talking to our perfect Father. Our human father is your human father has limited ability. He can't do everything. You're limited. Your your father here on earth has limited authority. He can't control everything. Your human father has limited availability. He can't always be there. But our father in heaven, unlimited ability, Unlimited authority. Unlimited availability. And here's the awesome news. This is incredible. Even though our Father is in heaven, He is also close at hand. The Bible describes Him as this. He's a very present help in times of trouble. He's present. He's a very present help. He is present. Our Father in heaven is also right there beside you through the most difficult of things you walk through. Very present. The Holy Spirit, split second of of calling out to the Lord. He is there and He makes His presence just manifest so that we're aware He is there. He's in heaven, but He's here. That's our God. We should be in awe of that God. What Jesus has done for us. At the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Is to remind us that we have a Father in Heaven. But that He's very different from our human Father. He's 100% perfect. He's in Heaven. We're on Earth. It shows that He's bigger than us. It shows that He's bigger than us. He's bigger. The words in heaven are in no way intended to limit God to one area or to limit God to one sphere. God isn't limited to a place in heaven. Solomon said it best when he was dedicating the temple. In 1 Kings 8, he said, The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. He is here. So when we talk about the presence of God, He is here. 
Jesus isn't contradicting himself either when he says, our Father who is in heaven. He's reminding us that he sits in a place of honor and that we're to approach him as such. When we pray, we're to approach him with honor. We're to approach him with that sense of awe. Why is that important? Why is it important that we approach our Father both with the affection and that sense of awe? Because you guys, we run into some pretty big problems. We run into some pretty big obstacles. And if we don't have a sense of awe about who our Father is, then the obstacles seem big instead of our God seeming big. Or this isn't bigger than you. You're huge. You're mighty. This isn't bigger than you. Lord, this cancer isn't bigger than you. Lord, this eviction isn't bigger than you. Lord, this laying off isn't bigger than you. None of this is bigger than you, God. You are mighty and you are great and you are loving. You're not some obtuse ruler. You're affectionate. And I get to come to you with humility and affection. By inserting these two words, in heaven, Jesus reminds us of both the grace and the greatness. He reminds us of the love and the loftiness. He reminds us not only of the sweetness of God, but he reminds us of his sovereignty. Let's pray.